Oh yeah, so we are brought together on this nice afternoon. We're getting to experience what makes a great movie and what kind of things contribute to your movie experience. So what kind of movie hits for you? What are you looking for? Our main three outside objective qualities we look for, at least I look for, is is it believable, entertaining, or meaningful? So check off one of those boxes. I'd say most people are trying to at least gain one of those things to commit an hour and a half to three hours of their time. And in some cases, four hours of their time. So one of our first questions that we had as part of the open forum is, have you ever watched a Hollywood movie that accurately portrayed your profession or life experience? And I have a very interesting example that I'd like to share more so to just kind of have fun. There's a movie that seemed really on point when I was a kid. It was Three Ninjas Strike Back, which oh. I don't know if you guys have watched that. Have right, you guys seen it? Going at all. <laughs> I was not expecting no, no, this at like, all. Yeah, you know, as a guy who parks cars, let's start with uh, three ninjas. Not that's what you do now or what you do for a living, but at one point, just like I, I was a windshield guy, you were a car park guy. So was going. <laughs> I couldn't figure out a specific thing that related to my like work experience other than Ferris Bueller's Day Off when mm. they just jacked the guy's car. But, you know, <laughs> that is a good one. Only if you have a Jaguar or Ferrari pull up, you know. But three ninjas, I thought it, it was just kind of something fun, nice note to pull out of the episode is because they had three brothers and they all did karate and we did taekwondo okay we had my brother anthony was kind of paralleling with uh i think his name was rocco and he's like the oldest uh, yeah there's that song rocco loves emily rocco loves emily <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah so then there was colt he's a little bit of a black sheep and a little bit of a rebel kind of right with nick and then Tum Tum, the fat ass who just like always has snacks with him, is <laughs> always eating. You know? And I'm like, huh, I don't know anybody like that. Tum Tum. But yeah, so I essentially felt like that was very relatable. But that's neither here or there. That's just more of thought candy. I wanted to ask you guys, has there been any movies that you guys have watched that have been meaningful? And as a secondary question, did you guys get to watch The Count of Monte Cristo? Yes. Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah, we've watched You left here week. on Sunday and we... Uh, we went right downstairs. We went back to back movies. We went with the Monte Cristo. What was the second Crazy movie? Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. No, we, we watched we watched back to back. No, we went back Brandon to back. Double Feature. We got hit with Brandon the Brandon double feature. double feature. No shit. What, Zach, what were you saying before? Oh, uh, so <laughs> arguably tit. <laughs> Crazy Stupid Love is arguably not a great movie. Arguably. I had, it's not a bad movie. I, I, oh, sorry. I got what you... Uh... To me, it's a good movie. And I can understand it's not that good. You made me question things because I will say openly that I tried to live without any fear. Mm-hmm. Like I don't fear death anymore and I don't fear a lot of things. But there are two things that I do still fear openly that I can admit. One is being false imprisoned and tortured without being able to protect yourself yes. so literally freaking basis of that whole movie yep committing myself to someone making that long term building a family and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. and then having exactly what happened to him in that movie your significant other cheat on you literally like the only two things left in my <laughs> life that i fear <laughs> And this motherfucker makes us watch. Within four hours, you just watch both. Bam, bam. (laughs) Wow. What a, like, third life experience. It's pretty wild to watch Steve Carell, dude. You hit your 30s. You're just watching Steve Carell at the corner of the bar with his new balances (laughs) on. Man, how close am I to that being my (laughs) turn? Fucking David Lindhagen. Yeah, David Lindhagen. David David Lindhagen. You know how much pain you caused, my friend? (laughs) 
I'm going to admit that Ryan Gosling's accent, where the hell does it even come from? In that movie, it's hilarious and it hits, but it sounds so damn funny. What did you guys think about the characters in the conflict? That movie demonstrates perfectly how a movie should be structured with parallels, parallel plot lines and conflicts. Well, yeah, it got to the point where you could feel that build up that mm-hmm. you could feel coming and you knew, maybe not in that build up to climax you could see it coming like you mm-hmm. were getting the behind the curtains of what you know what he was doing get his revenge yeah but in crazy stupid love you kind of unless you really read into it very early on you had yeah. no you could start to piece it together but then when uh emma stone's character you still mm-hmm. you start realizing oh oh when he was mumbling about nana that wasn't a grandma yeah yeah and, and it's funny and that that hits and you're right you kind of have that that parallel well i don't think every yeah which one if you guys had to say like which one you enjoyed between those two movies which one would you say i enjoyed this one a lot better monte Cristo is a lot to get through player i was gonna say the second i definitely enjoyed the second movie <laughs> crazy Christmas. stupid love monte cristo made crazy stupid love look like a movie i'm gonna go back and watch again tonight yeah <laughs> monte cristo's just not like it was good i get it i know exactly why you like that movie yeah because you like movies and mm-hmm. that is a well done movie right the storyline all that stuff the way they portray the characters the lighting all the different stuff in that movie is done well but it's just (laughs) it's too much for me to get through look i look back and said that movie's a lot like shawshank redemption like i look back and i really like the storyline of shawshank redemption and i i really enjoyed that movie when i saw that movie too but it's not a movie where I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. I experienced it once. Mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of have like this elephant brain sometimes. Of, I don't want to experience that same thing again. Right. No, I do the same thing. I'm very okay. bad about watching TV shows. I, once I see it once, I'm like, okay. I don't. You're right, because you do immerse mm-hmm. yourself in it. And I'm, some of those I choose not to. Not that like Shawshank Redemption offers anything. I almost I went back and watched half of it this week. And I went, oh, okay. then I fell asleep. Shawshank or Count of Monte Cristo? Shawshank. Mm-hmm. I watched it half. It is kind of that same story. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a lot to get through right when you're immersing yourself in experiences it's sometimes exhausting to go through something like that over no well, no wonder it's a good movie mm-hmm. and, and it's it's structured very well and i think that's what shawshank in it mm-hmm. but the structure of what good and bad build up in the story immersing yourself in what's happening these trials and tribulations you can put yourself in a lot my only problem with stories like that though is the having to go get revenge the and i don't know if shawshank is if he end up he didn't really get his revenge the way he got his revenge was by making his money and being able or finding the money under that tree Mm -hmm. and being able to escape down to Mm -hmm. the islands or wherever he went to go basically live on the beach Mm -hmm. so shawshank for me was a much better for me it was a much better movie Mm -hmm. now it didn't set him really up to i mean Correct me if I'm wrong, but did he get any revenge in Shawshank? He kind of. So he got justice. I wouldn't call it revenge. Okay. Because that warden, <laughs> warden had it coming. That warden was the one who was essentially using prisoners as indentured servants and ripping off everyday Joe from their jobs. Remember, he was basically using prisoners as slave labor, and then he was profiting from it. And then Andy Dufresne okay. was helping him hide that money so that uh, yeah, Andy, yep, yep, yep. Andy Dufresne instead of getting just I mean revenge he transformed it into justice because that guy he had already had all the bank documents and the paper trail he just needed to step into those shoes pun not intended but I don't know if you get what I mean there because he took the guy's shoes yeah, but he yeah, shined yeah. all the time so you literally just need to step into those shoes of that character yeah and then he took it with him yeah that was it the guy ended up offing himself but the one guy who needed the revenge that happened 
And then justice also happened in another instance. Uh, whenever Andy Dufresne was pretty much on the brink of death, they sent him to the infirmary because those guys beat the living daylight out of him. That guy, by Andy Dufresne's previous actions, justice was served because that guy beat the shit out of that guy. He never walked again. Yeah. But I really like that you point that out because it shows the difference. Alexander, Alexander dumbass, since we're talking about uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> remember that line? Yeah. That's the author of Count of Monte Cristo yeah, okay. is Alexander Dumas. Yep. When he says his name's Dumas. But I think that's a huge difference between Alexander Dumas and Stephen King is that they have centuries between them. And Stephen King is just such a seasoned writer. Alexander Dumas comes from pretty much one of the first weed poet societies. So yeah, that's my point with all of those stories. For me now, looking back who I was, I've definitely become a different person. Mm-hmm. So now watching a movie... I am experiencing it in a different sense. I think that's mainly because of what I kind of feel I would to accomplish in this lifetime for myself, which is a different form of spirituality. So trying to become Christ consciousness and trying to walk the path of being love and understanding mm-hmm. in itself. That leads me to, for instance, the Monte Cristo. Man, he really had to work hard. He got out. He had his money. He could have went and did whatever he wanted. He could have mm-hmm. just experienced life. He could have did all kind of good. And yet he spent all this time and energy to get revenge. And to me, that's just, mm-hmm. it's just perpetuating the concept of just keeping people here and just keeping people in an everlasting game or segregate Mm -hmm. or you know separating people and whatnot it just Mm -hmm. that's where i fall short of really enjoying movies anymore now Mm -hmm. because i'm like i know the message that they're portraying i know how this could be i know how this could be looked at if that ever happened to me i would totally dude you got out you were free you had all the money that you needed ever to be able to do anything and you really had to waste your time and energy to go back and screw somebody over mm-hmm. he would have never knew he had a son though either it's kind of a weird circle no i i get like, that i get yeah, that there's a lot he would have girl shot yeah i don't know i mean i kind of agree too. go through justify the means anyway you got you got out seek this dude down out some extravagant party and spend all this money on buying some dude's mansion up from right up under him just to kind of plan one thing to get some you know, tear some dude's life from the inside out it really is a lot get it it leads to a good story yeah and the way piece together makes it entertaining and maybe believable back in that way but it is um, the best route or the most like what was the what was the uh, God um, just? I think it might be God is just or in God I trust. I, mean, I, I think there's something about God and God will bring me justice. God will bring me justice. Okay. Yeah, that's great. You went out. <laughs> they, you were offered the the chance for justice, and then you didn't really seize it. You took it. You know, it's kind of interesting as you say it. It brings a realization. It's kind of like the story Job from the Bible. He's living a good life, being a faithful servant, being honorable and everything. And then finally, things go his way, and he's about to be a captain of a ship. Two years premature, has the woman of his dreams, and then all that's taken away from him. And it's this huge test of will. And he kind of fails. He does fail, to be honest. The only reason he succeeds is because this priest comes by him by some kind of, or just odds, synchronicity, if you will. And then that brings him all the way through the story, just his ability to move forward. I've read in like previous summaries of the movie, he gets justice on the four people who wronged him. So there's the guy who's the warden who whips him once a year and beats him. The first mate who threw him under the bus whenever they came back. Oh yeah, uh, Mondego, or not Mondego, uh, Dantes. Dantes disobeyed my orders. And that guy screwed him over because he felt demoted. Mondego screwed him over because he wanted his woman and didn't want to be jealous of the son of a clerk. And then 
the last one to scream over was that guy. And he got justice on everybody. And the part I have on here about growth, the only part where he was about to turn the page was with Mondego. He was ready to stop because finally he felt at that point the life that was stripped from him, he was able to take back. Got all those things, had those experiences, and now he finally had the woman's his life. He had the honor reclaimed. And then he felt at that point he could finally give it up. But it is hard. Every time I rewatch feeling like his man's servant, if you will, uh, Louise, Louise Guzman, that character, like he calls him mad at the one point. He's like, dude, you're mad. You have the woman of your dreams. You have more money than anyone ever known. Just stop. Live your life. I totally relate to that. Every time I come back at that point in the movie, I'm like, yeah, dude, just give up. You're done. But he still wants to get Dantes. I don't know what it is that keeps pulling me back. I feel like to me, sometimes the relatable part about that is we almost put ourselves in a prison. For a certain number of time until we finally let ourselves feel like that maybe is what I kind of internalize with the movie is even for me with writing. I always feel called to it, but I don't do it just because life gets so busy and you feel like you're maybe in this prison. And I got that movie around 2007 when I stopped writing for fun. It's been about 15 or 16 years since then which is funny because that's how long it takes him to come back to his hometown. But I don't know. I think that movie's interesting because finally at the end, he gives himself permission to live. And I could definitely still get the frustration of watching every time. It's like, oh man, it's it's really apparent now that you brought that out. I was like, yeah, I think it is really frustrating to watch him knowing it's going to happen and he's still going to walk the same line. And yeah. But some other people see our lives. It's frustrating to watch us do the same things. Yeah, your parents, your friends, people who love you, close ones to you, see you doing something that might be taking you down a path or holding you back from becoming more. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying there. But on another note, with Crazy Stupid Love, you guys, how did you guys like the little moments, like asshole moment? I thought that was fucking glorious how he was having sex. He hooked up and had like that one nightstand with... His teacher, his son's teacher, had no idea that was his son's teacher. And they go for parent-teacher night, and they're having this emotional, we still love each other, all stupid. Yeah. You're kind of having a really emotional moment from maybe one of the more emotional coming to God mm-hmm. situation. Like, oh, man, like this was a, a bad decision. <laughs> and then she just walks out and looks at him, and, and, and he just he immediately begins for it. Like, and, oh, and shit. Deflect, deflect, deflect. Let's write this word down. Asshole. Someone that... Doesn't call you back when they say that they're going to do or that you go down on them for 45 minutes because they say they're nervous. And I was like, oh, shit, 45 <laughs> minutes. What a detail. That is whole oh, Jeez. <laughs> Moments like that just kill me. And I'm just sitting there and I swear, I don't know what it is. It's like maybe just a bunch of neurotransmitters are hitting all kinds of parts of my brain but i love when moments like that happen where two characters have a separate interaction and you're not expecting them to run into each other at all and they do kind of like what i have on the board right there you're not expecting to run into each other or one of the other good ones was the mother-son relationship robbie and emily julianne moore and zach woodard uh i'm kidding Sorry, Zach. I love you. Not this. Well, I love you both, but (laughs) it does look like your brother. A little bit. From that hair back in the day, back in the day. He's in eighth grade. That looks like eighth grade Zach. That's right. You are fully committed to saying when I'm when I'm 18, I'm going to have luscious locks. But right now I look. (laughs) (laughs) You got to commit to that look early. This is Justin Bieber look back. Oh, it's excessive, though. It's like goes out. Hard to maintain. It is. You have to make the When you have that kind of hair, you have to make a conscious mm-hmm. decision. You're looking dumb anyway. You're 13, dude. You look stupid. I'll show you a picture of me. <laughs> but the great, one of the great moments of that movie is whenever 
it's just an undersold moment. Whenever David Lindhagen comes by the office and he's like, oh, hey, Emily. And she goes, oh, hey, this is my son, Robbie. And he's like looking at him like, oh, you are. <laughs> she goes, hey, can you watch him for a minute? And then uh, David Lindhagen is like, so, Robbie, uh, you doing anything for fun? He sits down on the couch, Kevin Bacon. And then Robbie just like lifts his seat up. <laughs> Huge Never power more. move. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And he goes, hey, you're interested in my mom. I get that. But thing is, my mom and dad are fighting right now. But whenever they're done, they're going to get back together. And then she's going to forget all about you. And then she comes back. Hey, Robbie he goes, oh, hey, mommy, can we get Chinese? And it's like, oh, my gosh, he fucking plays the game. <laughs> like, what a what a beast. But it makes sense because he's like the valedictorian of his eighth grade class. I felt like that was also one of the things where like, you're watching different movies, maybe you don't realize who actually be. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of see that like, Robbie may actually be of the entire. It seems like it could be Steve Carell or, mm-hmm. or Jacob is Ryan Gosling. Hal is Steve Carell. Yeah, yeah, but even like Robbie turns into folk at the end of the movie, kind of circulates mm-hmm. around. And it's funny because I finally got the title only after so many times of watching it. Like crazy, stupid love. It's almost like you love somebody and it's frustrating because they piss you off at the same time, which I feel like at this age, we we all have experienced that too, where, you know, you love somebody, but they also get on your nerves. It uh, kind of makes sense. Crazy, stupid love. Another movie. I, so I got to I got to bring this. Movie to fruition because I don't know how much time we have. A movie that does this better than most movies, which you don't expect. None other than Shia LaBeouf's Disney classic. Don't digging up them holes. Digging, <laughs> digging up them holes. So holes, instead of me explaining what I think, what do you guys think? There's some ones that you can pinpoint and say, hey, here's a conflict that's happening. It seems to parallel. You guys pick out one parallel. What would you say one is? Like it's the Count of Monte Cristo. Actually, it's like this dude that just ends up... <laughs> Kind of wrongfully <laughs> digging holes. There's poor Zach. You're gonna make Zach watch that freaking movie. <laughs> the Onion. No. Um. And it's the same thing with the teacher and the uh the the gentleman who comes by and fixes the window and everything. Sam. Yeah. Sam. Sam gets freaking screwed over too. So you're kind of approaching yeah. both answers or multiple answers. What do you think are some like parallel plot lines or conflicts that are happening between characters that seem to be parallel? You've already listed I'm kinda, two of them. I'm kind of getting there. Obviously, Shia LaBeouf's character, whatever his, but Stanley, Stanley Yonats. How could yeah. I possibly forget your first name? Your last well, name up, is spelled backwards. He ends up there because of Zero doesn't Zero isn't Zero the one? And it's just like one of those yeah. converging plot points where like they didn't know each other, and the only reason they ended up together was because, because in through yeah because of Zero. Mm-hmm. He like what stole the shoes of the and threw no them over. Good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing, great great grandfather. <laughs> Stanley Elnaz. <laughs> Doesn't like that take it all the way back though? Like wasn't his grandfather yes. somehow involved in like the, the plot obviously go mm-hmm. way back with like Sam? Yeah, it is kind of coming back to the original injustice of stealing. Because essentially whatever the great grandfather's I think it's Elia, if I'm not mistaken, Elia Yelnuts. And Elia taking the pig never comes back for her. So technically he did steal the pig. He Gave it to someone else. He didn't follow through on his contract. Misfortune and curse follows him and his family line through kissing Kate Barlow and the first Stanley Yelnats. That is, so the first one is Elia Yelnats, that, that first plot line. And then the second one is kissing Kate Barlow and Sam and is the, the landlord of the lake, if you will. That also parallels with, you could argue, the camps, the camp counselors have their own interactions with like the warden as it among all of those people. But then there's Stanley. All those things are being described throughout the story. 
all of them, you're getting bits and pieces. You're not getting the full story. You're just getting what's important all at the same time. And then it finally comes to a point where all of them are intersect. Injustice was stealing the pig. That one's an open loop for a while. Kissing Kate Barlow, whatever the teacher is. I forget what they call her. That's her relationship with Sam. And I think this is something I didn't write on here or on here, but I had up in here is classism sometimes makes some of the best movies. In Count of Monte Cristo, you know, nobody wants to be jealous of the son of the clerk. They feel like they're not, that he doesn't deserve to have that status. He's not born into it. In Holes, there's the classism of not only is Sam poor, but he's also black. So they do not want her being with a black guy. And it causes huge turmoil. Eventually leads to his demise just by them being attracted to another. That leads to what turns into Camp Green Lake is because that guy's wrongfully murdered, you know, just those guys being jealous, just a human nature flaw that makes everything dry up. And then that's what leads to the camp counselor conflict, which also there's the long distance Hector Zeroni and Stanley Yelnats. They still have a concurrent curse connection to the past with Elia Yelnats and Madame Zeroni, which that one's finally broken whenever Stanley Yelnats takes Hector Zeroni up and feeds him onions and water gets his strength back, which in the current time resolves his family's current conflict on being poor and unsuccessful. And then at the same time, gets them to send the lawyer, which brings catharsis to the lake because the warden, who is still carrying on the burden of wrongfully killing Sam, was a trot walker, her grandfather killing him. Warden brought to justice. Hector Zeroni is finally having a healed relationship and kissing Kate Barlow has finally got to her point of catharsis for Sam too, which is almost like the rain could be seen as as tears of joy, baptism, new beginnings, all kinds of things. But it's kind of intense because that's a Disney movie that's so, so structured, but it's for a younger audience. Lead into thinking like, wow, what a deep movie for mm-hmm. such a young audience. Is that where one of these other questions comes about in Hollywood having, you know, a lot of potential to navigate where they kind of want society to go to? The perception of life. That was also what I was about to say. Does that lead to an entertaining and meaningful story? Yes. Any of these synchronicity things we just talked about or whatever it may be, as, as great as they are, as powerful as they can be, they are. I'm just like crazy stupid love. You're like, oh, you're fucking my daughter? You know, Stanley carrying zero up and all these plot points. CYS would have a field day. Yeah, see, exactly. They are not very believable. Never happen. Which is why I think those two things that go into movies, the the meaningful and the entertaining, are the two most. Most people don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, so. to a certain extent, yes, in this situation, like, you got to make it somewhat believable. It just got to be just believable enough. I think you hit the point there with a word I was using earlier with snags. You don't want it to catch snags. As long as it doesn't catch snags, I think you're on the right. As long as, like, you're not going to be sitting there thinking it's not interrupting your immersion into the universe but i think going back to what zach just said too it does make sense because to uh steer the the consciousness of a of an audience i don't think it needs real life real life no movies wouldn't be a thing if real life was just as entertaining you know maybe the people wouldn't watch you're out there just living whatever a movie is you wouldn't be out there that meaning or what i'm trying to say is the idea that to steer you don't need just get it just believable enough that this could happen. Like I look at the Marvel movies as a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Okay, now Marvel movies, when did Marvel really become a massive thing? When we were in high school, right? Marvel was just starting out in terms of, we're talking like 2010, I think was the first Avengers, if I'm not mistaken. 2012. So right then and there, like 2008, I think was Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So that time frame, and now look, we're in 2020, the 2020 years, uh, and we have 
UFOs are everywhere. Aliens are real. The government's known about it this whole time. Now information out there of people who aren't probably live here and have been here for a very long time. So movies like Star Wars, Mm -hmm. where you have someone who's being portrayed as human, as what our creature species would be alongside of someone else who is blue. Or, you know what I'm trying to say? No, it's a desensitization. You're you're just desensitized. That's, I mean, we've talked about Avatar before, but I still just hammer. Avatar, Avatar, The Matrix. Yes. Just rewatched Matrix the other day. Like, well, you know, you you look at Matrix in different instances and whether, like, that's, there's a whole other realm of existing, obviously. Even just the idea of, you know, your lifeless body being, like, the way they are. They're kind of just sucked in. Like, the Matrix is you being, you're kind of just a lifeless being sucked into a different realm. There's a lot of that going on already. That wasn't the case when that movie came out in, what, 99, 98, something like that? And now 20 years later, not to say that there's uh, an understanding that Hollywood has, you know, a, a kind of, um, you know, a beat to the street of, of these things coming to fruition, you know, shortly down the road. But, man, it does seem like that sometimes. I think there's a lot of times there's a lot of things that are introduced we benefit from just having film and imagination. Things that aren't possible, all of a sudden... Like you guys are saying, it's introduced and then suddenly it's a reality. Someone said one of the first appearances of a cell phone or inklings was Star Trek. Just had these little props that they made and they're like, hey, I had this idea. And then, all right, it's not that crazy once we've seen it on TV. So once we've seen it on TV, then we've already embraced the idea. Part of our brain has said, whether as crazy or outlandish as it is, part of our brain has digested it and documented it as a memory. It's like, okay, now it can be reality. Yeah, if you've immersed yourself enough into the story that you're watching. Yeah, like ghosts. I I definitely am somebody who, I'll admit, I have a little bit of a belief in ghosts. But had I never seen a movie like that, I probably wouldn't even know. Have a suspicion. I'd probably just be naive and not think anything of it because it's happened. I think that's a fantastic point right there. Us as humans, I think it's can only see like 9% of the actual visible light spectrum. There's 91% out there. My math might be wrong statistics, but I know that it's a very small out of 100%. So that's basically saying that there is stuff floating right around you and I, right? That is a different form of light. We can't see those unless we use some type of an actual camera that we have to see what your aura is. But if we didn't have those things, you wouldn't know that all that. I'm really in the thought process like for me that like we are each our own souls here but your mind my mind our minds together can create our own reality why because we can make decisions and we can do things and we can work and we can work off the laws of the universe in terms of attraction or what you put in is what you get out so with that being said the whole concept coming back into this unknown or i think as a collective what these different movies do is it takes until we hit 51% of the consciousness of the collective of all the souls that are here. Have to believe that is reality. And so it, so like for instance, the cell phone, you have to get 51% of the people who live here to believe in cell phones. As soon as you pass that threshold of where the majority actually believes something, that's where the propaganda has mm-hmm. been so fantastic. And I think that's the whole concept of propaganda in itself mm-hmm. is getting a majority to believe in your side or your beliefs or your whatever you're trying to push and once you have the majority mm-hmm. well, that's what the alien thing is too like, and, and regardless if the, it's a slow feed from government or whatever it may be there's obviously more information in 
ask, you know, our parents 20 years ago, who you believe in you? No. The slow feed of Hollywood movies, like Independence Day and all that stuff, and whether that it is funny to see, like, that conscious Whether aliens existed or not before that, the more that the collective consciousness agrees upon that does bring that existence to fruition, for sure. Right. Like, before that, like, they may have existed, but it didn't matter on Earth because they weren't here. And now that there is more of agreement of, like, hey, like, there's a lot of evidence that there is, I'm not sure what it is or where it's coming from or whatever it may be, but the more folks that agree with that here on, you know, our ground, over to the point where you're right, when that meter gets over to a certain, like, that's just accepted moving forward. Like, I think that's why there's been so many times over the years throughout history when there's been arguably like book burnings and knowledge mm. that's been tried to be pushed away. Right. I think that's why there's all this hidden history that's now being released that we're all starting to learn. If you follow astrology then we moved out of the house of Pisces and we're now in the house of Aquarius. The house of Aquarius is the house of knowledge, the house of understanding, the house of learning. The age of Pisces, what we left, the house of Pisces is all about deception, untruths, and lies, and manipulation. Kind of really follows exactly suit of what's been going on in life. Yeah, like, it goes back to like Titty's point about like classism being the good stories too. Like it seems that way because you've been kind of manipulated into a certain way. And you know, I'm sure that if you ask, you know, the one percent, do they like the classes? Like, no. no, but there's always something <laughs> about the stories that came beforehand, and like you know, like that's something any not any person but the, definitely the the collective can agree with i don't know why it's <laughs> <laughs> just the alliteration was on point the guy gets his diaper dirty over some other guy being the son of a clerk getting captain this is rolled off the tongue i think one of the things that i should also resurface from the previous conversation is we all seem to agree that hunger games was a good illustration of this very thing that the Hunger Games talks about isn't in that way that there's this hierarchy that this in a world that seems to be actually like everyone on one side is like oh this is perfect this is fine it's like no this is an illusion the there are elites who are controlling everything and they're controlling how the lower class lives doing these atrocities while they're on the other camera with a smile on their face Sometimes they're not so bold to even hide some of the atrocities that they're doing. Other times they're doing it seamlessly. And by the second or third movie, by the third movie, you're actually to the point in Mockingjay Part 2 where, spoiler alert for anyone listening if you haven't watched the Hunger Games series, by the third movie, now the rebels have Katniss. And now she used to be a symbol for the capital, the elites. She used to be a symbol of, okay, here, everything's in line. I'm living a good life. You guys are living a good life. Keep your noses down. Don't ask questions. And then by the third movie, she's doing the same thing for the rebels. It was like, so she was working for the Capitol and you could see her frustration in that. It's a good illustration that, you know, we're still not completely out of elites ruling the world. And you guys might know better than I know about, like, there's like only a few companies that run most of the world. So they argue that BlackRock are the investors behind every single company that ultimately breaks down to like 99% of the companies that are out. But here's my fucking thing. That's I've been racking in my brain with the whole elites and all this happy horse shit. I think it's all fucking scam. I think it's all bullshit ass lie. I think that's why there's been all these freaking movies that have been portraying like the Hunger Games, for mm -hmm. instance, what struggle and strife mm -hmm. you would have to go through to be able to take out that scenario. If you look at 2020 as a year. When everybody got pushed into their houses, we made more millionaires in 2020 
than we did in like the previous 20 years. That's like a crazy statistic. That's mm-hmm. what happened. People went into their houses. They had time. We had the internet. We still had access to all this stuff. People learned how to make money online. More millionaires were made in 2020. So what I think it is, I think it's all just this bullshit lie that's told to people throughout all these different movies depicting how much pain and suffering you would have to go through to be able to scrape your way out of the bottom. So you just sit stagnant in the bottom because you don't want to fight. But in reality, like for instance, you can go on the United States government website. They literally teach you boom, 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 how to create a business, how to literally all the documents are there. You just have to do all the reading. That's the thing. Like you have to do all the time. You have to put in the effort. That's what's so frustrating is it's not an easy situation, but all of the keys to unlock all of the doors to get to the exact life that you want to lead, whatever status that might be, you're fully capable of. Hollywood does such a great job at depicting that it's going to be so freaking hard, so frustrating, so it could cost you your life. And I think... A lot of the people who are still stuck, who don't start strongly stuck in fear, which holds them back because they see this depiction of it's going to be hard no matter what. Yeah, it's a convenient excuse. That seems really hard, man. It seems like the cards are really stacked against me. Uh, I get to I get to come home. I get to be with my family. I get to my weekends. I get my weekends to be able to go do this. I get my one vacation a year. You know, it's they just it's comfortability you're just shown constantly at these movies that just depict this craziness for me Mm -hmm. what movies resonate the most with me hero's journey i don't even know if i've seen that one no hero's journey like a a movie that's depicting hero's Hero's journey Journey. that would be more in the meaningful yes it could Mm -hmm. be entertaining the storyline is there's a more meaningful what most Mm -hmm. hit home with me the born identity movies jason Bourne wakes up literally floating in the water And some guys pull him back to life and all he has inside of him, it's inside of him. That's what's even more crazy. That little capsule that they end up pulling out of him and it has the information in it that then leads him down this whole rabbit hole to go find out what his entire life was before he just arguably reincarnated because he was shot left for dead in the middle of the ocean. He was left in the darkness and then all of a sudden a boat comes through with a light that then... Mm -hmm put shines the light onto him and now he's brought back into the light and now he's going through this whole hero's journey to find out why the hell am i here what the hell was my life before this that movie hits so hard home with me why because i believe in reincarnation and that literally that's the depiction it makes you think of the dark immediately sent down into the cave in the darkness gone away from every battle to climb the out of the cave and continue to fall and the trials and everything he's dealt with that 40 minutes or so alone of him away and coming back dude that is that's why those movies are so dude christopher nolan destroyed it takes batman like go watch the batman Mm -hmm. Like, I love Michael Keaton with those movies. Just there's nothing meaningful about those at all. It's just Batman and Danny DeVito, and it looks cool because it's 90s Burton. Dark Knight Rises, man. There's a reason why the Dark Knight's like a top 10 IMD ever. It's like number three. And then Dark Knight Rises, I think, actually is probably the better movie, in my opinion. Like, cinematic movie, everything that goes into it, the story, the way it comes all together. But that 40 minutes situation that he falling down and down again and eventually getting back out and coming back out right completely reborn yeah that blows my mind i definitely i agree 100 percent with both of those and those would not have been my immediate instinct as far as the hero's journey i actually i really resonate with that dark knight one 
I mean, The Dark Knight Rises. Jason Bourne, just because I haven't seen him in, in like five years or so. But The Dark Knight Rises, um, yeah, holy shit. He really does. I was wondering what brick. Your spirit or your body? That guy. Uh, whenever he like straight up breaks his back and then come from a broken back, no cartilage left in his knees and has one last fight. Barely. <laughs> Very wild. But that's that's so crazy because he's like basically another story kind of like Job. You have somebody who has everything in the world and you take everything away from them. And then what are you left with? You're just left with the man, whatever he can summon, whatever strength and resources he can bring to himself. They go from one in the ocean and two from underground. You got to rise above both of those and both of those situations. You're down and and both of them that reincarnate into someone stronger someone more capable and not only just have what they had before but have a little bit more at something to fight for jason Bourne's case he doesn't even know what he's fighting for he's just i just want to know i want to know who i am which is crazy for me because i feel like that's exactly where i'm at so it when I thought about that movie, I literally sat there and was like, damn, man, that really hits home of shit. Like, maybe it really is meditating and taking some time to just really think deeply inside your own. You're like, let go and just try to see what's inside of you. Mm-hmm. It's your soul that's inside of you is actually truly being able to talk to it. That's like the mm-hmm. information that was inside of him. Cutting that out and bringing that to like his knowledge, his mm-hmm. understanding. How did he find it? Well, they ba- they brought him back to life. My understanding, I think it was on his back. And wow. here it was literally like this little pill that he shined the light and said like Zurich, Germany or something on it with like a bank account. Wow. And that's where then the whole journey starts. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think going back instances of like what a movie should be. I don't think it needs to be necessarily fantasy. Like the, it can be believable in a completely different set. Like there is no pill inside of you, but believable to you, but in a completely different way. I'll read the exact question. How do you think Hollywood movies influence our culture, societies, and beliefs? Can they inspire change or do they simply reflect the status quo? They do influence our culture and society in ways we've already talked about. But one thing I haven't mentioned is how it really does some good as far as one holes where there's Sam and Kate. Sam's a black man and Kate is a white woman like together. And, you know, it breaks our heart as the audience to lose Sam. And I think that's a huge thing. A lot of people in the past might not have taken empathy towards their relationship. But when you see how good of a character it is and how nice of a romance and then to have that stripped away from you, it's almost you're feeling frustrated in real life because, oh, man. Now I really feel for the characters. And on the same note, gay relationships on TV, they didn't really put them on very much before Will and Grace, Modern Family. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. The dude from Modern Family, mm-hmm. the, the bigger guy, is yeah. not gay. Right. The actor. Dude, he was on the NFL draft on Friday. I'm like, yo, he isn't gay at all. And Ryan's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, that is the greatest portrayal of a, a gay couple you see on TV. Yes. And that just goes to show how killer of an actor that guy is. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It but is you're right. That's the one. I think that couple on that show, well, I haven't watched every episode. I think some people, most people have seen an episode of that show and can look at them. It definitely helps the, the you know, something culture, that may have been, yeah, that may have been like conflicting in culture. Like it, it probably allows a lot of people from an older generation to say, oh, and this is very ignorant, but this is mm-hmm. the way it used to be was, oh, wait, they're just normal people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, exactly right. They're just normal people. And it introduces, you know, people from maybe an outside perspective or maybe haven't had, you know, uh, interaction with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a true gay couple. Not that, like, it is still mm-hmm. so somewhat, but it, it does introduce it. That's something there is about. And I think one other thing, I think the reason I introduced this question is because it does allow us to live, movies allow us to live multiple lives. 
we only got one and I'm certainly not going to travel to France, but movies like Three Musketeers and Count of Monte Cristo, those kind of things expose me to that. If I lived in Zillianople or let's say Hermitage, Elwood City, I might not see a gay couple. That's just population. Like, you know, it, it might be a thing where I never run into a gay couple and I might be set in my ways and be like, I don't get it man and man or woman and woman it's not the way it's meant to be it's like well how many people have you known in your life well probably a thousand you've known a thousand people across your entire life yep the same thousand it's like well damn that's why <laughs> but i think movies give us exposure and that exposure honestly prepares us sometimes to live better lives sometimes it gives us bad advice and then sometimes just there for us to watch shit blow up yeah i think it all depends on the perspective of the viewer though mm -hmm. someone might watch sam die and they'd be like oh yeah yeah he, he had it coming and i don't mean to go super dark but we've talked about this in a previous episode the yin to the yang mm -hmm. the fact that we feel like there's always going to have to be some darkness for lightness to be able to be there mm -hmm. because the light's coming from the dark like, I think there is a lot of good that can be done, but it is also the perspective of the person who's got to be watching it. For instance, like there's that experiment that we talked about the one time where they put flies in a jar mm -hmm. and took the lid off the jar. And those flies never flew above mm -hmm. where that lid was, even though the lid was off. They had all the capability. So you only know what's you've been exposed to, like what your mm -hmm. environment is. So yes, I think that Hollywood could with its influence capabilities do such good i think it does do good in a lot of different things but i think that's where that where the responsibility level is so huge yeah because we know no as a collective even when we're in high school you have to remember when they were talking about propaganda with all the oh, wars yeah. and the fact that we literally thought people from russia or people from other they were bad people no i'm not gonna sit here and say nazis were good people but no but it's as like, a collective yeah. we were basically told that germans are horrible people or horrible people horrible. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, there's plenty of Germans who were there who didn't agree with what was happening right so it's just i think that's where the responsibility level is on a million <laughs> yeah to do justice to actual topics and whatnot. But I think that's where it's been taken in a sense of a distraction. Mm -hmm. We've just, we're pumping out so many movies, so much knowledge, so much, so much shit, so much stuff for your eyes to take in. And it's just, I think it's too much. Yeah. I think it goes back to the reality, but you're not going to get, again, it's going to take you up to a certain point, but even if they portray like a fun loving Russian guy or maybe like, that's great. But until you go and you for yourself, right. If you're, if you're stubborn and you know what you know, oh, look, oh, that guy's fun. You know, that's just a guy in a movie. Cause eventually your brain, if you're not that open to it or, you know, real to a certain point is important, but you're not going to ever get that real perception change. Yeah. It's going to open the door, but. Right. I think that's where the cog of the machine that this is obviously a cog in the machine of the country that we live in mm -hmm. you know it's they work hand in hand information is released in different ways that's what makes this whole system that we have finally start to look dark to you mm -hmm. because holy crap the amount of influence that comes from this and the capabilities of being able to yeah influence that mm -hmm. many people so quickly with the topic mind-boggling it's fascinating I think the movie that resonates with me the most is kind of right hand in hand with what we're talking about is The Matrix. Okay. I just rewatched it the other day. It definitely feels like it fills a lot of those, checks a lot of those boxes, like propaganda. There's programs inside The Matrix, in the movie The Matrix, 
that will divert your attention and steer you away from seems like Neo's path should be. And then along the lines of what you said, you know, us actually having more potential and more ability than we give ourselves benefit of the doubt is kind of right hand in hand with the matrix. We have all the tools and the resources. And I've thought about it recently. You got a text message or a call on your phone. First of all, I don't really answer calls on my phone. <laughs> Unless they leave voicemail. But if that exact same thing happened today, Neo Anderson sitting in, he's a hacker sitting in a cubicle and someone calls his phone. Oh, like a voicemail. <laughs> Boom, movie never happens. <laughs> Unless he leaves the voicemail, then he'll be good. But by that time, the agents already got him. Even the reincarnation, the light you see at death. There's people that believe that you... Reincarnation is the loop. You continue good. That's actually reincarnation is actually what upper realms want for you to experience whatever is actually out there and where 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 your soul may actually you know have originated. You're supposed to go the other way, but that's that's the hard road. So there's a lot of like even like distraction the matrix that just that endless loop of you just cycling back into this lower level plane. You'll just continue to end up there because it's an it's a distraction. You're you're a you're a low level thinking you know mf or dude. Like you see a light, you're like I'm I'm just I'm in nothing and all I see is this distant tiny. Like I'm going there and all of a sudden you're back. It's an easy convenient. Yeah, and you forgot there. everything that happened the time before. Right. Wow. You basically come back and yes, it's all imprinted inside of you. It's imprinted into your DNA. It takes you basically tapping into yourself to be able to remember all that stuff that's happened to you. It has felt like a lot of things. It's really weird. I bring up synchronicity because uh, things like seem like they're repeating a lot in my life. And one of them is numerology. And that came up. My numbers right now that I've just made an active choice to start paying attention to is six and 12. And six already came up a few times in the conversation. But then also I've been studying Kobe Bryant a little bit. Not a lot, just a few videos worth getting to know him and what he's about and get to learn more. Apparently, Kobe Bryant actually also really liked write and he really believed in story and the power of story. Before he died, he did the movie, I think it was a movie or a documentary, Dear Basketball, and he believed in the importance of carrying on a story and telling things. And it's funny that we're actually talking about movies because that essentially comes down to what a story is. Sometimes those stories, they're... Everyone knows that they're fake. They're just there like myths. They're just there to convey something, teach us something, and for us to walk away. But I just find it very interesting, like synchronicity is one of our subtopics of today. I think it's interesting. A lot of things, they seem to carry over, dip into other areas. And yeah. Kind of like we're talking about with the parallel conflicts. Me right now, talked about on previous podcasts, is I'm moderately, I'd say, arguing like a third life crisis. I'm not really having any real crisis, but my brain is creating a crisis. Oh, this is the third of your life is is ending. You're entering a new chapter. Now you have 20, 30 years. What are you going to do with these next 20, 30 years? Because these are, you've already gone through your formative years. Now you know a gist of who you are. Now what are you going to do? And it's like, that is the scariest question. It's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah. makes me excited though. Now. Yeah, it should it makes me very excited but, now. Yeah, again, it, it it's a perspective. Yeah. pill, blue pill. It makes me it makes me very excited for the fact of moving into this next stage of life because mm -hmm. I finally feel like I know what I want. To, I might not have all the answers right now, but I know where I want to work. So I feel like maybe with the last five minutes. We won't entirely stay on track with movies, but kind of have a blended discussion. I liked what we were talking about as like to the place we are right in a previous discussion we had that it just feels like a very grateful time. Because I was talking about, it's terrifying, our third of our life is over, but at the same time, this is a much much more capable time and where we don't have the responsibility of children, but we have a lot of ability. So we have responses, 
the ability, but not the responsibility. So we're just living in a time where we have so much access to things. And like Neo and the Matrix, we can download anything. We can download anything, bring anything into our world. And there is certainly limits. There's certain information we can't get. But outside of that, what a time we're living in. Oh my goodness, dude. We are living in a golden age, golden era age right now. We're mm-hmm. we, Best time right ever to be now, alive. Mm-hmm. I'm not even arguing that, but we're literally living through a brand new gold rush. Yeah. AI is here. There, You have the next three to five years to learn how to wield it and make money off of it before people even realize what you're utilizing to literally provide services to them. It's pretty wild. It allows the creative to be the creative. Yeah. Have all the time creativity would go into, like, and again, you're a music, you're a musician. You can make songs. Yeah, it goes straight yeah. out. Oh, yeah, did you hear the Drake AI song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. There's, Drake, yeah, there's a Drake AI song, and it is like, it sounds like it's Drake. a top 10 Drake. Yeah, and it's not Drake at that's all. That's insane. Yeah, it's a top 10 Drake song. It it's argues violent. that there's a possibility that all the music that's come out that isn't from songwriters, mm-hmm. that is literally from these big record labels, mm-hmm. they've been using this shit years to actually make the very songs well, that are literally be. the pop songs. I blew a guy's mind down in South Carolina. He was a real cool dude, mm-hmm. met him. His name's Gary absolute g but i he's real big into music and i asked him i asked him about like what hurts do you guys tune to when you're making your music he goes 440 oh <laughs> the devil's done <laughs> and he goes what do you mean i said in 440 if you were to literally just play that noise that hurts coming out of a that would literally be an ear piercing noise that makes someone die and he goes what that's what they claim Wow. The whole Travis Scott, six oh, people shit. dying at his concert. Wow. That's what they claim. They played the devil note at one point in time because the whole concept of his setup and everything was very satanic to where like sucking souls into that big mouth and everything. Super weird. Been an offering on us, like some crazy sacrifice. Some ritual like sacrificing offering is what some people believe that that was to ball. Mm-hmm. Nobody pays attention. We're just so distracted. That is why the United States is a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. the rest of the world and it sucked but it also leads to people like ourselves having the responsibility to not get sucked in to those narratives of keeping us distracted i have something interesting to add so it's funny i'm starting to believe more and more along the line of the collective unconscious one that you know we do have things passed along our dna that is recorded like fear of snakes you have a dad that might be afraid of snakes and then that dad, he passes on to his son because of an experience he had, yet I was never interacted with Snake. Starting to believe in the collective unconscious from that level, and that we all share somewhat of a collective unconscious throughout the world, and somehow it is bonded, in my mind, through as much as I can understand, like fungus and bacteria. Bacteria, fungus, and plants, animals, and in humans, and that it comes up to us. Right now, we are flooded with information and misinformation to actually cloud to us what's really important. When meanwhile, I think the whole reason that we're here is to work. And there's a line I'll quote from somewhere I don't know is that service is the rent we pay for occupying space on this earth. That we're, as Titty and I learned in like religion class way back in Catholic high school, that we're kind of supposed to be the stewards for our environment. So what we're kind of put here on Earth, a gift of self-awareness, is that we can nurture and take care of the planet and the animals around us and the plants. We might be sitting here just watching Pornhub and (laughs) looking at tits and eating popcorn and sitting down and playing with our balls. But instead, we're born to be so much more. But because we're distracted, we have our heads up our asses mind with materials, I... I'm trying to take a little bit more of a minimalist 
approach. At least shave off some extra stuff that means nothing. But it's crazy because I am finding myself, wow, that would be quite the gift if I could live a life that has the purpose of trying to improve something around me while also making money. And occasionally being entertained it is kind of mind-blowing that we're just filled with shit left and right thank you for everyone for joining us this has been what makes movies great and enjoyable for you thank you for joining happy sunday y'all Bye. peace, peace.